In Greek mythology, the chimera is a monster with the head of a lion, the body of a goat, and the tail of a dragon. In medicine, a chimera is an organism composed of two genetically distinct individuals. Microchimerism occurs when the host has only a very small amount of another's tissue. You are listening to ReachMD, XM233, the channel for medical professionals. Today we are discussing microchimerism as it occurs naturally in humans, not in Greek mythology. In this segment, we will be focusing on the bizarre role that microchimerism has in ameliorating rheumatoid arthritis during pregnancy. Welcome to the Clinician's Roundtable. I am your host, Dr. Michael Benson, a clinical assistant professor in the Department of Obstetrics and Gynecology at Northwestern University in Chicago. With me today is Dr. Lee Nelson, a professor of rheumatology at the University of Washington and a researcher at the Fred Hutchinson Cancer Research Center. Dr. Nelson was the first to postulate that rheumatoid arthritis might improve during pregnancy because fetal cells leaking into the maternal circulation might have a beneficial effect on the immune system as opposed to the pregnancy having a general hormonal benefit for rheumatoid arthritis. Evidence that she and others have accumulated over the past decade have provided increasing support for this hypothesis. Welcome, Dr. Nelson. Thank you for inviting me. We are pleased to have you on the show. Now, uh, of course, uh, the first question that I have for most of our audience who aren't rheumatologists, can you tell us a little bit about rheumatoid arthritis in general and specifically uh, some of the symptoms that uh, people can get with rheumatoid arthritis? Yes. Rheumatoid arthritis is a relatively common autoimmune disorder. It has a prevalence of about 1% in the U.S. population. The hallmark feature is symmetrical inflammatory arthritis, and that usually causes pain, stiffness, and swelling, and it involves multiple joints. It has a very wide spectrum, so there are people who have relatively mild disease. They even have a self-limited course, but then there's the other end of the spectrum where people have severe and disabling disease. The American College of Rheumatology has established seven criteria, and if people meet four of those seven criteria, then they are diagnosed with rheumatoid arthritis. Only one of those is a positive rheumatoid factor, so it should be noted that you can have a positive rheumatoid factor in other conditions, and you can have rheumatoid arthritis without a positive rheumatoid factor. I am kind of overwhelmed with curiosity. Can you tell us what the other six are? Sure. And there's, you know, details on all of these, they lasting for X amount of time and going on for X amount of time. But one is morning stiffness, just briefly, arthritis in three or more joints, arthritis of uh, essentially the hand or the wrist joints, symmetrical arthritis, number four. So does it always have to be, uh, does is one of those diagnostic criteria always involve arthritis of a wrist or hand joint? No, because you, I mean, that's very characteristic is the, the wrist and the MCP joints, the joint where the finger plugs into the hand. But because you can meet criteria by any four of the seven, you wouldn't necessarily have to have Oh, that. they're not mutually exclusive. They can No. Meet. Right, right. Okay. And then five is having rheumatoid nodules, which you don't usually see early in the disease. You usually see with more severe disease and later on. Six is having the rheumatoid factor and seven radiologic changes. And those are usually usually looked at, the earliest signs are usually in the hands and the wrists. Does uh, rheumatoid arthritis wax and wane, or does it just mostly start and then uh, get worse? That's a good question, and it's an important one, because it, rheumatoid arthritis does wax and wane, and that's quite different from another disease we'll be probably talking about, 
uh, later with scleroderma, which doesn't usually wax and wane quite so much. So when it waxes and wanes, does every time it recurs, does it get a little bit worse or it can just... Um... Not necessarily. I think anybody who has followed a fair number of rheumatoid arthritis patients have seen people who have actually gone into sustained remission. So no, not necessarily. And of course, these days, there's quite a few good options for treatment. So often people can go into be put into remission and then do extremely well and even also go off the medications. 1% of the population gets rheumatoid arthritis. Is there a gender predilection for the disease? It's about 3 to 4 to 1. And sometimes it's it's misquoted in review articles. You mean uh, female to male? Yes, female to male, excuse me. Sorry. Clarify. Sometimes there's a suggestion in some review articles that it peaks in, in middle age in women, but that's actually not the case. If you look at the epidemiology, it continues to rise in incidence in women at least into their 60s and 70s. Uh, what about in men? Does it still rise in men uh, in the same decades? It does. It's just not as prevalent in men as it is in women. And now, of course, this is a disease that can affect children as well. So there are other forms of arthritis in children, and the term that's now being used is juvenile idiopathic arthritis as opposed to juvenile rheumatoid arthritis. But one of the subsets in children looks very much like uh, the adult rheumatoid arthritis. Why did they change it from juvenile rheumatoid arthritis to idiopathic? I don't know the answer to that, but I would guess that it's because the other two forms of the disease are really quite different. Oh, I see. So there's, in children. So in children, there's even a broader spectrum of disease. Yeah. There can be what's called an oligoarticular form, and there's also a form that has a systemic onset that looks you know, almost like a fever or a different kind of illness, and it's sometimes hard to diagnose. Does rheumatoid arthritis improve in pregnancy? I gather that it does, but many of our audience members may not actually know that, and I don't have a, a formal knowledge that it does. I just heard that it does. Yeah, it definitely does. The original description was all the way back in 1938 by P.S. Hench at the Mayo Clinic. What percent of women improve and how completely they improve is perhaps a little more not well established, but certainly more than half, and most estimates are two-thirds to three-quarters of women improve during pregnancy. The first woman I saw, she had really very severe rheumatoid arthritis, lots of disability, she went into complete and total remission during her pregnancy. I was a fellow in my training at the time, off all medication. And it really almost was like a fairy godmother had come and waved the wand. And then, of course, after she delivered, it came back. And that, that's How quickly did it come back? It comes back usually within three months. It'll often, I've seen it come back even a couple weeks after delivery, but certainly by three months, and I've rarely seen it be longer than three months before it comes back. That uh, case in your fellowship, did that uh, provoke some curiosity on your part? Is that how you got interested in the subject? It did. That's exactly what happened. I started thinking about it. It wasn't what I was doing my research on, but I thought this is a very striking phenomenon in nature. And if we could understand this, perhaps we could harness it to treat this disease without the kind of side effects that we have to be careful with the medications that we have now. So what was your hypothesis? At some point, you started thinking about it and actually came up with a hypothesis that was sufficiently specific so that it could actually be tested. Well, my hypothesis was that it's an immune system event, not just a hormonal event. I think the hormonal hypothesis had been tested, and people assumed, well, maybe it's 
the high hormone levels during pregnancy, but that really had not panned out in earlier research. And if you think about it, rheumatoid arthritis is an autoimmune disease, and during pregnancy, a woman is needing to carry a child that's genetically half foreign. And it makes sense that there are changes in the immune system that must happen in order to tolerate that genetically half foreign child. So how did you go about uh, testing your hypothesis? Well, that's why I came over to Fred Hutchinson Cancer Research Center. People sometimes say, what's a rheumatologist doing there? But it's because it's a transplant center, and it's uh, where Don Thomas helped develop the bone marrow or stem cell transplant, for which he shared the Nobel Prize a number of years back. And so what I wanted to do was test for exactly those same kind of genes that you have to look for when you're looking for a transplant donor. Uh, So those are called human leukocyte antigen, HLA genes, but they aren't just on leukocytes. They're on all nucleated cells. I see. So how did you actually go about checking? Yes, at that time, we didn't have the ability to directly identify and quantify the fetal DNA or the fetal cells in the mother's blood. So what we did is we asked the question a little indirectly. We hypothesized that the women who get the good effect and their arthritis goes away would be carrying a child that was genetically different from themselves for the HLA class 2 genes because we knew the class 2 genes are those that are associated with rheumatoid arthritis. Oh, I see. Now, didn't you ultimately go on after you established that that was correct, that they were different in the HLA-2 category? Didn't you actually ultimately find evidence that there was a difference in the amount of fetal material in the maternal circulation? We did, and that, though, is much more recent. It's difficult to accept how long it took before technology evolved so that we could do that. It was, the first paper was in 1993 in the New England Journal, and the paper actually directly quantifying the fetal cells wasn't until 2006. Oh, my God. Well, what did the, in the <laughs> 2006, what did you find about the fetal cells? Well, um, it, we, we were very busy in between. We just couldn't do this particular uh, direct test. In 2006, by the time we actually did the work in 2005, we were able to develop a series of tests that can quantify fetal-specific material in the mother's blood. And so the way we did that is we designed primers and probes that could amplify, for example, if the child has gotten a particular HLA from the dad that mother doesn't have, that it would be specific just to that HLA sequence and that it would be quantitative. Did you have to develop these probes for every patient you check? We did, whole systems, and validate them and make sure that they were wholly specific just <laughs> ma- to that particular HLA. How many patients did you involve in this study? By the time we finished this study, we had 25 pregnant patients that we had studied prospectively. Oh, my God. And so what's a mechanism? Multiple samples, of course, you know, before pregnancy, during pregnancy, and then postpartum in those patients. What's the mechanism? Uh, In the little time that we have remaining, can you tell us a little bit how the fetal uh, leakage of material affected the maternal immune system so that it ramped down and rheumatoid arthritis got better? It's a little bit complicated, but I can make the most important part of it simple. There's a very large amount of material shed into the mother's blood from the placenta as it grows and continually remodels itself. And that actually amounts to up to several grams a day by the third trimester. It's kind of astonishing. And within that shed material, 
there are actually fetal HLA antigens. And we believe those are taken up by the mother's cells and presented in her own immune system. And at the same time, she presents her own self-HLA, and it is the co-simultaneous presentation of the two different HLA uh, that we think gives a side benefit to rheumatoid arthritis. So in other words, we think that it's a side benefit of the mechanism that allows a woman to tolerate a genetically foreign child during pregnancy. I want to thank Dr. Lee Nelson, a professor of rheumatology at the University of Washington and a researcher at the Fred Hutchinson Cancer Research Center, who has been our guest. I am your host, Dr. Michael Benson. You have been listening to the Clinician's Roundtable on ReachMD, XM233, the channel for medical professionals. Be safe. Be informed. For comments and questions about this program, send your email to xm at reachmd.com. Thank you for listening.